I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. Gallagher didn't coin the term or invent hype women, but she might as well have. She is one of the strongest advocates for women helping each other, boosting each other up, creating supportive environments where we can all be achieving the same goals. Her business, Ella, is an inclusive network which is looking to unlock access to human and financial capital. And like she has set a very small goal here, which is disrupting the ecosystem to achieve intersectional and gender equity and build generational wealth for all women. Yes, please. That sounds fantastic. And she's doing it with her business, Ella. And she's also doing it through her other work, which is writing on LinkedIn. And she's become a fierce advocate for women. And a lot of her posts have gone viral. And she's really become the like forerunner and cheerleader of this hype woman movement. Now, this podcast is coming out after she will have taken part in our International Women's Day with Soho Works event on March 7th, and she's on a panel all about hype women. So I'm so pleased that she was able to do this podcast, take part in the event. And if there's anyone interested in learning more about Ella or joining one of her fairway dinners, all of the information will be in the description. Love Erin and thank her so much for her time. So Erin, you are an original hype woman. And I love that you've become synonymous with the idea of and branding of hype woman as like its own identity, but you've in a lot of ways always been that way. So in this moment, when we celebrate International Women's Month, International Women's Day, for people like you and me who do this for a living, it can sort of like be a little bit less than exciting as a holiday. But it is important to celebrate. So I want to celebrate you, the work you're doing, and really shout and hype you out to everyone who maybe doesn't know Erin Gallagher's name and her company, Ella. Thank you, Jenny. And same to you. Deeply grateful for everything you are doing and have always done in this space in fighting for gender equity and what you do with the second shift. And it's just such incredible, important, and system-challenging and changing work. I agree that when we have these moments that are marked to signify more attention towards the things that you and I are doing day in and day out, it can seem like another business-as-usual day. But I think until we ever get the pendulum to swing far enough that it lands in some equitable center, we are going to have to keep marking these moments. So, you know, I I was a little bit frustrated this year with what one of the International Women's Day themes is. I know that there's the UN sort of International Women's Day, and then there's another organization. And so the UN is digital, I think is the, the theme for this year about, re- I know it's it's a little bit tough to say, But then the other theme for International Women's Day was embrace equity. And it was 
it was asking women to take pictures of themselves, hugging themselves and embracing it. And I think what so many of us are frustrated about and embrace yourself as an embracing equity. Well, embrace equity is the, is the term. Okay. But the problem is you can't embrace something you don't have. Um, and we don't have equity and embracing is a very passive term and it continues to sort of beat the drum that we have been told as women to just sort of be happy with what we've got, be grateful, accept it, and not to be too loud or disruptive or challenging because no one wants us to do that. That's not appropriate. And I think we have seen this collective rage from women in the past few years, particularly around the frustration at the length of time that we're being told it's going to take until we achieve that gender equity. And so we have to decide every day to make a conscious choice to choose equity and to make decisions that get us there. It has to be active. It cannot be passive. So, you know, I'm a little torn this year on how I feel. I mean, I have to be honest, International Women's Day, it's great to have something to have a hook for an event, a podcast, whatever, you know, I'm always happy to celebrate women, but there is a level of virtue signaling, especially when it comes to companies who think that like, okay, we're going to celebrate women and that's this month and we're going to throw this event. And then you see them putting all this time and effort behind it. And look, on the one hand, I'm thrilled that they're putting the time and effort and the budget behind it. But if it doesn't come with like actual, like sustainable an actionable change, then it's just a Hallmark holiday that we get to have like a nice day and some coffee. And look, I'm happy to have that too, but it doesn't really move the needle, as you said. Right. It's performative. We are through with performative work, performative words, performative statements. And so we want to see the action. We want to see the women in the positions of power and influence who are making the decisions about the things that impact our lives. We are 51% of the population. We are half of the labor force. We're 85% of consumer buying power. We're the market. And so we really have, if we recognized our collective power, we could really halt the economy if we decided to. I think we just need to be much more direct and disruptive in how we are addressing this going forward than we have been in the past. But we're not in charge. So that's really comes down to, you know, one of the main issues, like we're just not in charge. So that is ultimately where the power and the decision-making come in. And yes, you can, you know, go on strike and you can not buy the products, et cetera. But unless you are in the leadership roles, you are not affecting actual change. Yeah. I think it's why we are seeing so many women exit the traditional corporate workforce to start their own companies. But is that the answer? So to me, until there is a serious commitment that is backed up by action to bring women into those positions of power and influence, I don't think they get to have it both ways. They don't get to have us in those lesser roles where we don't have that power or influence and check those boxes that say, well, look, we know half of us are diverse. We just don't happen to have women in any of the positions that actually make the decisions. If we continue to stay there without that commitment to put us into those more senior roles, then we are enabling some of that behavior. But if we all just leave and start our own businesses, which because of the way funding goes and the way that women are the inequitable access to funding, those businesses are going to be much smaller. And so we can go off and like start our own small businesses. And for, you know, there's 
for every bumble that goes public and you know makes a gajillion dollars, there's you know forty three percent of small businesses are owned by women, and you, there's like one, you know three major companies. So again, that also doesn't really work. You know, I, I've read. So this is the conundrum we're in. So the second shift is here because like what we're built to do is just like keep women going, like the pipeline of women into jobs, into, so it's, they're not exiting, like you said, to start their own businesses, which I totally understand. And I think it's great. And I'm, I did it. I I love entrepreneurialism, but it's to keep women going and rising up into those leadership positions because it's an unfair system, but it's still the system. Yeah. How do we break the system? I know that, you know, one of the things you've set up is this business, Ella, and it's an inclusive network to unlock access to human and financial capital. And the idea being that you're disrupting an ecosystem and you are going to then create a new system where women are able to have more inclusive equity. How do you do this? That's a big ask you know, we narrowed our specific thing that we do to something very in a lane. We're like, we're going to do this one thing and we're just going to do this one thing and that's going to be our contribution. Yeah. You've got a real big goal. How are you doing it? Yeah. So for me, you need women in all of those places. You need the women in corporate, you need the women who are entrepreneurs and you need the women who are sort of the rising stars in either the public, private or entrepreneurial sector. Because when women are across those different spaces at different levels in their careers and they come together, they can do business together. So there is something to the notion of building each other's wealth by pushing funding if you are in a corporate role towards women-owned businesses that both continues to pay your salary as a, as a corporate employee, but also is funding those women-owned organizations. Again, the premise behind kind of the work that I'm doing and what we're doing specifically with our fairway dinners is this idea of the golf course, that men have been doing business on the golf course for 300 years, mostly straight white men. It's an entire business ecosystem where women are not invited. And if we dare to show up, we're not included. And they are talking about funding. They're talking about investments. They're talking about job opportunities. They're talking about their salaries. They're giving each other backdoor access to job opportunities. So we just, we're not included in this entire business ecosystem. And so for us to do it in our own way, where we're using the same spirit of it, right? Which is to come together and start to share, share that information, share the access. What are you charging? What are you paying? What is the budget at that corporate level of that Fortune 500 company? What should you be charging in order to get a spot as a consultant or a vendor there? When we start to share that information, then we can also play in that system. Because like you said, right now it's rigged against us. It is not built for us. It's not built by us. And we don't have the tools to actually win at it because they've been kept from us for so long. And so we need women in both of those spaces and places. But I think there is something interesting about companies that are disrupting some of these industries that need disruption. And a lot of women are at the helm of those. I think it's really been a great lesson in women working together in a lot of ways, I have to say, like, I have really benefited from what I say sometimes is like, my life is like a sorority because I work at a women-focused business. We are run by women. Our investors are majority women. Uh, we help women. And the ecosystem around me is very female. 
And it's a great place to live. And everyone is really getting on this bandwagon of what you've started with these dinners where it's like sharing. It's sharing the information. It's asking for help. It's networking. It's I'm going to this conference. Who is going to be there? You know, what can I get invited to? And there's all these different ways people are doing it. And, And I'm part of a lot of these different groups. And I think the fairway idea is so smart because getting groups of women from all different walks of life together and creating that feeling of wanting to help each other is really different today than where things were, I think, even like 10 years ago when the second shift started. And it was much more, felt much more competitive and much less like solidarity. Yes, absolutely. That we have been conditioned as women to see each other as threats right? We've been told, especially when you look at corporate America, if there's only one woman in many of these senior roles, then the message is there's one spot. And so if she gets it, you don't, right? Men don't have that scarcity mindset, white men, because they see themselves everywhere. And so the scarcity mindset that has been ingrained in us is not our fault, but it is the decision that we have to make about whether or not we want to continue to operate that way or to decondition from it. And so like, here's a really good example. The other day, I saw a fortune reporter asking a question of female CEOs. What do you want to see obliterated from businesses in 2023? What what do we need to get rid of? And it could be anything from something physical to something theoretical or metaphorical or whatever. And she's like, here's my email. Now, a scarcity mindset would be, I'm going to respond to that, but I'm not going to tell anyone because I want a better shot at being selected And if I don't tell anyone, then less people will respond and I have a better chance of being one of the ones selected. We can't operate that way, right? So I posted it on my LinkedIn and I was like, if you are a female CEO, answer this because we need everyone's voices here. So it's that sort of thing. And and don't get me wrong. There is a part of me that thought about it for a second because that is how I have been brought up in my professional world and in my personal life is that another woman's success can detract from mine. We have to make a choice about whether or not we want to continue that for the next 200 years or if we are going to do it differently. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I sometimes think that there's like all these women and they're so busy fighting amongst each other or competing or worrying about like, you know, who got Botox and, you know, who's taking off extra time to like go to the ballet recital that we're so busy sort of like caught up in the emotion and caught up in like overthinking everything. And then like mediocre men just like walk on through. They just continue on into these roles because they're not so in their heads. And I know you have two young sons. So do I. And I, watching them operate and move through life has been a real lesson in what it is like to be a guy and just how smooth you think the world is going to be for you. And the truth is, is that it is. And they're not overthinking things and they're not like all caught up in the details and overworking. And if I don't get it perfect, it's wrong. That's right. They're just breathing on through, assuming everything's going to be great. And it is. Well, and you think about it, like it's because they see themselves everywhere. They see themselves in all of the advertising and all of the marketing, they see themselves at every senior, every level of position, whether it's the government or the private sector, 
they see themselves everywhere. So the assumption then is like, there will be a place for them. That's a totally different mentality. And it's a way different environment to grow up in versus when you don't see yourself ever. And so your assumption is it's not even possible or you see very few. So that mm-hmm. is, that's, that's scarcity that's, mindset. Like scarcity you said, mindset, right. The scarcity mindset, it's, it is ingrained in us and it's for good reason that it's ingrained in us because that is what we've been shown. And so it's like, we have to do both. We have to both attempt to continue to dismantle the current system, but we also have to build a new system the way that we want it to be. And both of those things have to be able to interface with one another. And that's how we are going to do this more quickly. Okay, let's talk about hype women because yeah. you are very active on LinkedIn. And I think give you a lot of credit for that because I find the putting of things on social media to be like one of the banes of my existence. And it's my responsibility and I know I have to do it and I do it, but I really don't enjoy it. Um, so I give you a lot of credit for just being so out there with your thoughts and willing to put yourself and your business and everything that you believe in really out and to stand behind it. And I give you a lot of credit for that. So you created, you wrote a post after the Oscar, was it the Golden Globes, the Oscars? I can't remember. The Golden Globes about hype women. And the basis of it was that Jamie Lee Curtis was cheering for her co-star and competitor who won and just the unabashed like joy of celebrating somebody else's win, which I thought was amazing. So in that post, you also said like, we got to break down how we think about competition, women competing against each other, celebrating each other. What made you put this out there that day? And where did it come from? And did you expect it to go take off the way it did? No. And you know, you never know. You never know what's going to resonate. If something is definitely happening in culture, there is a larger chance that it is going to gain attention. So I knew that at least people were paying attention to this and they were having all kinds of feelings about it. My position was, we don't see this often enough, another woman celebrating another woman's win, not her own and not the win of a man, but the win of another woman. That was what I wanted to focus on. And you know, she she actually wasn't in competition with Michelle Yeoh for this because it was for the best actress role, oh. which was Michelle Yeoh's. But regardless, it just showed like the deep love and and support that she had for her, and that it's just not something that we see enough amongst women. So that is why I wrote about it. I wrote about it because I felt that it is distracting us from the bigger goal, which is to address and dismantle a patriarchal system when we are fighting each other. So like, even like you were just talking about, right? All these women that are spending all this time cutting each other down and fighting each other, the men are walking by. They're just walking on by. They're just going forward. They're moving up. They're doing their thing. And we are distracted and we're focusing on the wrong thing. And so if we use that energy and we shifted it towards the support of one another, and also the hyping of ourselves, right? The, the being able to actually talk about your own wins and successes and to fight against that notion that when women do that, that that is self-serving or icky. inappropriate, right? Cringy, icky. icky. Right? And again, no one says that when men do it. When men do it, they say he's an innovator. He's a, he's a leader. He's all of these things. So 
So it's both things. Both are things that we've been conditioned to believe that we have to decide to decondition from and unlearn. And, you know, there was pushback on it at first and, and since because some comments said, this is centering a white woman and it is distracting from Michelle Yeoh's win. It's taking from it. And my position on that was that message continues to beat the drum of the thing that I'm talking about, which is the scarcity mindset that says only one at a time. No, 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 ladies, only one of you get to have attention at a time. So it's either going to be Michelle or it's either going to be Jamie, but sure as hell can't be both. And we don't have to accept that anymore. We can say we need a shit ton of press on Michelle for winning for what she did historically as an Asian woman and the years that she's not been recognized for her work in incredible films like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, there's an entire story there that needs to be focused on. And then there's a different story about what it is to be a hype woman and to celebrate women. Both of those stories can exist. They do not detract from one another. One does not outshine the other. But when we are told they do, it keeps us quiet. It keeps us afraid to say anything because we are going to, we expect backlash all the time. And we just have to say, you know what? Women want both. Women deserve both. We need win people who are winning and people who are hyping. We need all of us. I'm glad that was your answer because I do think sometimes, and I can fall prey to this, like I could hear the criticism. And so it might have stopped me from putting that out there. And it, it's true. It's like, if you if you can't have an opinion on something then women aren't going to speak up either. You have to be able to have an opinion and have an answer for, you know, the different things and stand behind your thoughts. And I give you a lot of credit for that. Well, and and Jenny, like every time I write, I'm like, oh, people are going to have a field day with this, right? Like, because I'm never talking about something that is not a quote unquote hot button issue. And I do think it's very interesting that especially in in the business world where we've been told we can't talk about certain things. They always have to do with race or gender. So they don't want us to talk about race or gender ever. Are the people who are commenting on your post other women? A lot of white women. A lot of white women. So they're doing the thing that we said. Instead of lifting you up, they are trying to keep the fight going down here in the low energy instead of giving you all the all the energy you need to keep moving forward and saying, yeah. And also, have you thought about this point? But like, yeah. Correct. And I've said, you know, so many of those- cutting you down. Right. They're they're foot soldiers for the patriarchy. They believe it so strongly that they don't even recognize the misogyny that's inside of themselves. But they think that their argument is actually moving the dialogue forward. It's like the reverse of what they actually want, which is like, you know, they're arguing for, uh, you know- cancel culture, whatever. But in the end, it's like, that's the reverse. It's getting you the reverse result. It's just keeping the fight going and just, it's like a playground fight. It's an important dialogue, but it's, it's really ultimately a playground fight amongst women. Exactly. And I think women have to start to, we've been all the time. Well, we've, we've been told that like one of the most important things for us to be is likable. That's what we've been told. And so like, but likability is a trap to keep you silent. Because there is no way you're going to be liked by everyone if you have an opinion and you share it with the world. So that is something that has kept us quiet. Because the the more you say nothing, the less anyone thinks about you or makes a judgment call on what, what your position is. So if you want to be liked by everyone, say and do nothing. That's the surest, fastest way. But we will get nowhere. There will be no progress if that is our stance. 
having conviction is incredibly important. And the realization and the acceptance that you aren't going to be for everyone, because if you are apathetic, then all that's going to do is continue to enable inequity. That's, that is what apathy does. So we have to decide what we're going to stand for. And we're going to have to put out into the world and be ready for both the support and also the criticism. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I, I know that you need to get ready and rest. You are going to be taking part in our event tomorrow. And it was just so funny because as we were putting this together and then you reread your post, it was like kismet alignment of what we really wanted to talk about and what we wanted the focus of our event to be about. So this is our Women's Day event tomorrow. And this podcast will come out on Wednesday, which is like technically International Women's Day. But, you know, I really want to thank you for coming to New York, for taking your time, for taking your energy to lend it to our panel discussion tomorrow. I'm really excited to listen in and hear what you guys have to say. It's an amazing group of women. It's you, Emily Tish Sussman from the She Pivots, Dee Poku from We Sweet, moderated by Pure Wow. But I want to just quickly talk about the work you do at Ella so that people who are interested in joining a fairway dinner or bringing you into their company can really understand the ways in which what you're saying can be actionalized into their lives. Yeah. So, I mean, what we're doing with the fairway is we are creating that psychologically safe space to be a part of the deconditioning from what we've been told women, the space we deserve to take up in this world, the money we deserve to make, the wealth we deserve to build. And we're just taking it head on and talking about those things in a much more direct way. And so at these dinners, the most important part of the evening is the asks that women have of one another and real critically like clear asks that can lead to something immediately, whether it's trying to get into a room with, with someone who's a senior leader somewhere looking for funding, wanting to have paid speaking opportunities, whatever it might be. When we start to help one another it is that collective wealth that we're building. So that's what we're doing with our fairway dinners. We, we do them once a month in Chicago. We're going to be doing every other month in New York last year over the course of eight weeks, we did six dinners in five markets, which as we just talked about, Jenny, is really fucking hard to do with a six and four-year-old, but I did it and it was a lot. We just needed to get to all of those places. We needed to be in San Francisco and LA and DC and New York and Chicago. And over those eight weeks, completely self-funded, we increased the 120 women who attended those dinners, their wealth by $2.5 million. So there's huge opportunity here to just continue to create access for one another to our human capital, to financial capital. And so we created the membership to allow those conversations to continue, to allow women to have that access. We have an app that sort of curates that space for them. It's really self-driven um, on that app because this is not going to be a place. There are a lot of incredible organizations focused on women that have events and content and and a lot of other programming. And that's not what the app is for here. It's really to just connect you with the women who are wanting to do this work, who are wanting to support each other, to give each other access and to then get access in return. So membership is $40 a month because we believe that you're worth 10 bucks a week. And we're making sure that this is not something that's cost prohibitive because that would be antithetical to what we're trying to do. And then the dinners happen as they happen. And we, we post about them. And then the, you know, the consulting piece of working with individuals or companies is really based on my 20 years experience in marketing, PR communications, working in DEI, 
doing things like creating the global DEI strategy for McDonald's to um, creating the Career Breaks product for LinkedIn, all kinds of different things where I've worked with different leaders to make their organizations more equitable and to bring more women and people of color into positions of power and influence. So that's what I'm up to. Okay, last question. Yeah. We like to end with the second shift's tagline is make work work for you. How do you make work work for you? Starting my own company myself was the first and only way I've ever made work work for me. I founded another company with two other women three and a half years ago. And that was a different experience than the one that I'm having now where I really do get to create the place I've always wanted to work and never have. And I love make work work for you. I think it's so important. I think we have a bigger chance to be able to do it now than ever. And I think it's all about deciding what deserves your time and energy and building your days around that and really trying to be clear about what you say no to as much as what you say yes to. So for me, it was really taking the ownership back of my my time and my energy by starting my own company. Well, thank you so much for saying yes to this. Yes. I appreciate that time. I know how precious it is. I appreciate you coming to New York and leaving your family, all of the things and giving us your time today and tomorrow. So I can't thank you enough. Go, you just checked into your hotel. Go go rest, put your feet up. I know you've got a dinner in New York and you've got us early tomorrow morning. So great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for creating this space, Jenny, for doing the work you've done for more than a decade with The Second Shift. Tomorrow's going to be an awesome day and um, I can't wait. See you in the morning. See you in the morning. Take care. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.